Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. As I uh, made my way out of the pew there for a moment, uh, one of mine said to me, What, Dad? No pep talk? And... um I, I usually give a pep talk before I leave of honoring mom and um, showing honor and um, just uh, respect to God and his word. And so um, anyway, no pep talk today, bro. So um, but I, I hope and pray that this morning is um, not to diminish what, what we're going to share. But this is the greatest pep talk you'll ever hear, that there's hope that you can live forever, that death is not one, that your, your greatest enemy, death The thing that separates you from God, your sin, has been overcome in the cross. And that is vindicated because on the Friday, he's crucified, he's buried. Saturday, he's still in the grave. But on Sunday morning, by the power of God, he's raised again, right, to declare to everyone, right, the wages of sin is death. And so if he's overcome death, that means he's overcome sin. And that means that you and I can enter into the presence of God accepted on behalf of of who Christ is by faith and trust and hope in Him, by nothing of our own selves. There's no good work. You've not been good enough to earn or ever deserve it or keep it, right? It is all a work of God and His grace. It's available to you today as a free gift if you will repent and believe on the gospel. That's the greatest pep talk any of us will ever hear. It's the greatest hope any of us have. It's beautiful this morning. We're going to get to it. Which I know there's a lot today. I know many of you have many plans, and so I want to be cognizant of that and aware of that and so respectful of your time. We're so glad that you're here. But I want to invite you this morning to walk with us just briefly through some of Luke 24. And what's interesting about Luke is, is the way that he ends his gospel. Listen to what it says here. Luke 24, beginning in verse 52. Jesus has just ascended back into heaven. All right, and it says, verse 52... And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. And notice this. It notes that there is great joy. And they were continually in the what? They're continually in the temple blessing God. What's significant about this is that Luke ends his gospel the same way he began it. In the opening chapter of Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 1, he tells a story about this old couple that had desired to have children. It just never had worked out for them. Their names were Zachariah and Elizabeth, and the dad was, was a priest, right? I mean, and they had lived faithfully for the Lord, and sometimes it's just hard to understand, right? Like, how could that be God's plan? What's up with that? It's hard to understand. And this guy's in the temple, and he's in the temple, and an angel shows up to him and says, you're going to actually have a son. And your son, and he, listen, he's going to be great, but I want you to know what's great about your son. It's the, the son that comes after him. He's going to point to the Son, the Son of God. Jesus Christ is ultimately coming, right? And so we hear in the temple, this person is there, this Zechariah, worshiping. The people are there worshiping. And the rest of Luke chapter 1 is just filled with joy. And then, now as Luke ends his gospel, he ends the gospel by having people in the temple and there's great joy and worship of Jesus. And so maybe this morning I would just ask you, right, like, have you wondered about how your life will end? Right, I mean, Luke's sharing with us how his gospel ends. We, we've seen how it began, and maybe for some of you, listen, my assumption is that maybe it began for you pretty well. 
Like the path that you were on was a path maybe that your parents laid or your grandparents laid and, 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 and likely because you lived in, in America. Again, this is not true for everyone, but I'm assuming for many of you, your parents and grandparents grew up in the church. The faith was a part of your early on heritage. But if it be true, some of you have derailed from that path. The faith that your parents handed down, that your grandparents handed down, that maybe their parents handed down to them. And I'm wondering today, as you start to think about the end, Luke's end here is the people in the temple worshiping God with great joy. And I'm wondering, will that be your end? I, I know you may have started well. I may have, The foundation may have been laid well for you. But if you're not really careful, it's easy in this world to get derailed. And your end being somewhere that maybe you don't intend to end up. I don't know, see why maybe you're here this morning. Again, maybe it's because it's Easter and that's what you do on Easter. Maybe it's here because somebody invited you. Or maybe it's here because um, it's an opportunity to, to show up with other family. Maybe you're here today because you're interested in spiritual things. And you thought, man, hey, if I'm ever going to find out about spiritual things, today's the big day for Christians. I want to show up and I want to hear what it's all about. So again, I don't know what brought you here. But I want you to recognize and realize that you and I have an end. And that end is to worship God with great joy and experience the power and the presence of God with Him forever. But there's some people, listen, who started out really well. They're following Jesus, man. They, 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 they're walking with Him. They've seen miracles. They're ministering in His name. They're, they're proclaiming, right? I mean, the power of Jesus and so many things. And then like, just like one by one, they just start derailing off the path. And maybe that's where you are today. Listen, maybe you, things at one point were going really well for you, but now you've come to a place of realizing spiritually, you've veered a long way from the path. And today might be an invitation to you to return. And I think what's beautiful about it is, is there's something that transforms those who have left the path, and it's this. It's the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ is the one thing, that the foundational stone that you and I can return back to God on. It's the one thing that gives us hope that there's a God who loves us, who's willing to forgive us, who is willing to accept us into His presence based on nothing that we've done, but, but on the righteous merit of Christ being credited to you by faith, by belief in the name of Jesus. God credits His perfect life to you, and He takes your unperfect life and gives it to His Son who died on the cross and paid the penalty and was buried. And this resurrection says God has accepted that payment. You, beloved, can be forgiven. So let's look just this morning briefly. About how the resurrection calls me to return. We've been walking through this series of Jesus' final week. First, I want this. You know this. The resurrection calls the hopeless to return. The resurrection calls the hopeless to return. The setting is this. Right? Thursday night, they've had the Last Supper, this Passover meal that we're going to kind of celebrate that Jesus says has new significance now. It's not just about looking back to the Passover where, where God delivered His people out of Egyptian bondage. It's now looking forward to the ultimate exodus. The exodus out of sin and slavery and bondage to this world and to a freedom to be with Christ forever. 
And so after the meal, they go into the garden and pray their Thursday night. And as they're praying there and the time comes when they finish praying, Judas, one of Jesus' closest followers, shows up with a band of people to arrest him. The religious leaders of that day and time try him in the middle of the night, early hours Friday through the darkness. They accuse him of declaring to be the son of God, which is they call a blasphemous claim. No one can be God. And this man is saying he is. And so they condemn him and they hand him over to the Roman authorities because only the Romans had the authority to crucify someone. The Jewish people couldn't do that. There's false witnesses that rise about and he's mocked and he's jeered and many things happen. Finally, this this religious governor or the, 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 the Roman governor, Pilate, condemns him to death. He accuses, uh, gives the charge to have him scourged and then taken to the cross and crucified. On the cross Friday, he'll die before sundown. They'll take him down and they'll bury him in the tomb. And by the time darkness hits Friday night, the Son of God, the one that they had set their hope in, is dead. Some of you feel that. Your hope's gone. But the story doesn't end there. And that's where Luke picks up, beginning verse 2 of Luke 24. And they found, listen, this is Sunday morning, right? So he's crucified, buried on Friday. He's there Friday evening. He's there now Saturday. But Sunday morning, they return back the day after Passover, right? They are going back to the, back to the tomb where Jesus is buried. And it says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Verse 23 says these two men are who? Angels. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, what? Rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. This is amazing. What's going on? Where is Jesus? Where is his body? What's happened? And then Luke brings this account of two individuals who have lost hope. I think representing a large part to the disciples themselves. Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 13 of the 24th chapter of Luke. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He's been raised by this point, but they don't recognize it's him. It's Jesus walking with two of his followers. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And listen to this. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed. All right. So listen to what they're going to start to share about him. He's a prophet. Mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and they crucified him. And in this statement, verse 21. But. We had no sense here, had 
hope. Past tense. They had hoped what? That this, specifically, that he was the one who would bring redemption to Israel. They had hoped that he was finally a redeemer. They had hoped that finally the Messiah had come. They had hoped. Listen, some of you, listen. This is amazing. Right? I mean, these guys, listen, they know the facts. He's a prophet, mighty indeed, before God and all the people. Right? That he was handed over to Pilate and the religious leaders, right, who crucified him. He was buried, and, and right, they're going to share in a moment. They're going to say, what's more? Listen to this, listen to this. Look what they got. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. It's amazing that these guys have all the facts about the story. And yet they're staring the story in the face and they don't see it. My assumption is that maybe some of you, that's part of your story. You began well in the church. Maybe you grew up in the church or you you spent time with God's word. Maybe some of you, even at one point, you were teachers in the church. I mean, you, you served right in great ways. But along the way, for you, somehow, it just became a bunch of facts. Like, you know this about Jesus. You know, right, like he was crucified, he was buried, he was raised. You know the stories about the miracles, the feeding. I mean, you know all these facts. But it's just become head knowledge. And because it's just between your ears, you've lost hope. That hope, listen, for you, listen, that, that maybe it was hope that Jesus, if he was so great, he would change your marriage. Or if Jesus was so great, then he would heal that person you love. Or if Jesus was so great, then you would have children by now. Or if Jesus was so great, right, you would hope that he might change your finances. Or if Jesus was so great, then you would somehow have already come out of this depression that you're in. Or if Jesus was so great, like you would hope these things and maybe they didn't happen. And so when you hear these guys say in verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one, you'd say, that's my story. If I was being really honest today, that's my story. And what I want you to see and know and hear today is, listen, you can have all the facts and all the information about Jesus and still not recognize him when you look him in the face. So what transforms it for these guys? Watch what transforms their lives right here. Listen to this, beginning of verse 25. And he, speaking of Jesus, says to them, O foolish ones, And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, later later on in chapter 24, he's going to say in the Psalms as well, he interpreted to them, listen to this, in all the scriptures, the things concerning who? Himself. Jesus says that all these scriptures, all these Old Testament, right? The New Testament hadn't come together at that point. He says, it all points to me. I'm the fulfillment of this. I'm the long-awaited Messiah. I am the one that you are ultimately hoping for. You may not see it right now. It's in your face. You may not recognize it. But I'm the one that you, beloved, are hoping for. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening. The day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were what? 
opened. And the moment their eyes were opened, they did what? They recognized him. Man, this morning, if our eyes would be open. Listen to what happens here. Verse 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts what? The hearts are burning within us. Listen, how, how does this happen, right? He's going to say, wow, right? Two different things. It's going to help, help bring some clarity to this. Right? I hope you see this, right? So it's not just like, oh, this is some, some guy making up things from what he thinks. No, this is what God's Word saying. I'm trying to help you see it in God's Word. They said to each other, did our, not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? So there's something, right? You hear that old song, just a little, what? Talk with Jesus. Right? There's something about this one who speaks to me. While he opened to us the scriptures, listen to that. Some of you have been desiring to hear from God. God, listen, Jesus does some amazing things here. He says, look, the entire scriptures point to me, right? The entire, everything is pointing to me. Everything is looking to me. I'm, I'm the culmination of everything. I'm the fulfillment of all the hope of the nations. Secondly, listen to what else he t- tells them right here. Your faith is not rooted in personal experience only. He could say, hey, guys, you've seen me and that's now enough. It's good. But what Jesus does is he takes their experience and he anchors it into the word of God. He says, listen, we must bring every experience into submission to the word of God. And he says, the experience that you're having now validates all the scriptures. I am the one you had hoped that I was. Some of you listen. You've had experience at some point, and maybe you're rooted in that experience. It was emotional. It was awesome. Maybe it was a revival. Maybe, I I don't know, crusade. I, I don't know what it was for you. It's been years upon years. But let's be honest, that experience has long since faded. And for some of you, that feels like your faith has faded as well. I want to invite you this morning to come back to what Jesus did for those there on that Sunday morning of Resurrection Day. He brought them back to the Scriptures. I'm calling you, beloved, now back to this Word, to anchor here in this Word, to say, is Jesus really who He says He is? Can I really end up in the temple for all eternity, worshiping and praising God in His presence? Jesus would say you can. I wonder, maybe this illustration might make sense. We had donuts this morning. They were good. Amen. Right. Some of you, I saw you enjoying the coffees and all the selections and all that. I'm not an adult beverage drinker, but you guys seriously passionate about it. Um, so hopefully it went well for you. But listen, some of you, I don't know if you ever have breakfast, you have bacon and eggs. Anybody ever have bacon and eggs for breakfast? Yeah. Think about this for a moment. The pig and the chicken are both involved in that breakfast, aren't they? Now, the, the chicken itself makes a little transaction, right? Like, whoop. Right, Easter egg, right? Now you want it, right? Just made it really tasty. But then the chicken moves on, right? Chicken's involved. Boop, right? Here's, here's your Easter egg. But think about the pig. The pig's involved in the transaction as well, but think about this. The pig, that brother or sister, they go all in. They're forever changed. Like, there's no going back. Like, it's not just like, listen, like, I had an experience, right? I went to church or I went to this revival or I was a part of the church at some point and I just moving on with my life. Like it, it was a great experience. I'm awesome. It was awesome. Boop, right? I mean, there it was. But now that pig, listen. There's no going back. 
this experience forever changed that pig that morning. Like you don't see that pig walking around in, in the pig pen anymore. That pig, listen, it's over. There's something transforming about that. Listen, I wonder this morning, have you just had a little bit of the chicken and the egg? Just a couple experiences here and there and there. I want to invite you to come and feast on the bacon of God, the very Lamb of God who can take away your sin and forever change you. Forever change you, beloved. It's transforming. So listen, because... Jesus has come back from the dead. Those who are without hope today can have hope. But there's not only those who are hopeless. The resurrection calls back the deniers to return. The resurrection calls the deniers. Listen to what happens in the text. And they rose that same hour from the table, right, where Jesus has been recognized and he vanishes. And they're like, our hearts burn within us. What are we going to do? We can't stay in Emmaus. Some of you, listen, you journeyed a long way and you can't stay there. There's something about this resurrection. There's something about this risen Christ. And it's calling you out of your Emmaus and back to Jerusalem, back to the cross, back to the tomb, back to maybe your biblical roots that your parents and grandparents laid for you. And some of you would say, listen, I, I don't have that heritage. Well, praise God. That he invites all people to come. And your heritage or lack of heritage does not qualify or disqualify you. Today, would you come? Look what happens here. And they found the eleven. That's haunting in itself. I know we don't have time today, but the eleven, listen. Like, oh, we're Judas. Where are you, bro? Man, that's a terrifying, right? When it starts to show up in the scriptures, the eleven, the eleven. Because you're like, it's the twelve, it's the twelve, it's the twelve. But Judas is gone. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Simon's another name for who? Peter, right? First Corinthians 15 and 5. And then he appeared to Cephas, which is, again, another name for Peter. And then Mark 16 and 7 says, When the angels spoke there, they said, But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. I think it's significant, right, that in all these different accounts we have the Scriptures telling us the Lord appears to Peter, and yet we have no account of what happened in that transaction, that moment of conversation. It was a transforming moment, right? I mean, nonetheless, because listen to this, because Peter, listen, he's not the only denier, but let's, let's just hear just for a moment more context. Verse 35, Then they told what had happened on the road, on the road to Emmaus, and how it was known to them in the breaking of the bread, and as they were talking about these things, who shows up? Jesus. This is the first time, right, according to Luke's account, right, that we have him coming and appearing to the to the eleven, to the, the disciples that have gathered. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, listen to these three words. Peace to who? You. Can you imagine for a moment? I mean, l- listen, we know Peter denied Christ how many times? Three, right? Come on, let's be honest. Most of us, we have a hard time forgetting people's past, don't we? But Peter's not the only denier in that room. If you remember Thursday night when they're having the supper, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, one of you will deny me. Right? And and listen, they go one after one saying, surely not me, Lord. And and Peter says, listen, Lord, I'm willing to not only, not only am I willing to stand beside you, I'm willing to die for you. And the scripture says, and all the rest said the same. Everybody else in that room is like, me too. Me too. 
And yet the scripture says that when Jesus was arrested, every single one of them deserted him and fled. This room is full of deniers. And then that's what's so amazing about these words. When he comes and stands to them, he says, peace to you. Right? I mean, listen, some of you, that strikes right because you made a pledge at some point, maybe at your baptismal moment or a moment in which you made a profession of faith or a moment in which you stood before the church or a moment in which you committed right to, to being a part of the church, of walking faithfully, but you found over time just sliding away. You just found yourself just detouring, derailing. You found yourself getting further and further away from the Word of God and the, and the cross and the church. You've just found yourself just slowly fading. It's often just a slow fade. It just happens a little by little, day by day. And it's these guys who are there who hear the words, Peace to you. Biblical scholar J.C. Ryle writes in the Gospel of Luke, listen to these words. He... Christ is far more willing to forgive than men are to be forgiven. And far more ready to pardon than men are to be pardoned. Free, full, and undeserved forgiveness to the very uttermost is not the manner of man, but it is the manner of Christ. Some of you think you're unworthy of forgiveness, and you're exactly right. That's why He came, because we could never earn it on our own. You'll never come to church enough. You'll never read your Bible enough. You couldn't put enough in that plate to ever earn your way into heaven, beloved. That's why He came for you. And these guys have denied Him in His hour of greatest need. And maybe some of you, you've denied. Right? You would say, maybe I did deny it publicly. Maybe some of you did. Maybe you've denied your faith. Denied the existence of God. Maybe the thing you once professed. But my assumption is in a room this size, if you're anything like me, maybe you've denied him through things like sexual immorality. Maybe you're denying him by just going to the church, being a part of the church, denying him by just refusing to spend time in his word. Maybe you've just denied him right again through just other things in your life. And here's the beautiful thing. Those that feel unworthy and undeserved and you just feel like you won't let him forgive you today. That's why he came. He says, peace to you today. Listen, hear that. You have denied Him. Hear this blessed Savior saying, peace to you. Peace to you. I know it's not the manner of men, but that is the manner of Christ. Peace to you. The resurrection return of Christ is not only about His return from the dead. Beloved, it's about your return. This is your story. This is the message of hope for you that you can come back from what you thought was never able to come back from. You listen. Listen, some of you listen. You, you think about it. I mean, you think you can't undo what you've done in the past. You can't undo the fact that social media rant. You can't undo. Listen, some of you, your sin became public. Other people know about it. Just like Peter, they have a hard time forgetting. Not once, not twice, but three times. And yet, Christ's return says to you and I that you can return too because that penalty for your sin and the shame and bondage that you, some of you have carried for a lot of years, that's been paid for. That's been paid for. It's forgiven. You are clean by the blood of the Lamb today. Do you see this? This is the best pep talk you're going to hear today, I promise. 
Not because it's my words, not because it's the words of a church. This is ultimately the word of God to you. That you can come back and return because Christ returned. To the deniers here today, come back to the Father through the Son. It's beautiful, right? I mean, it's the hopeless. Those who had heard the good news but took off walking to Emmaus. They took a different path, right? But it was on that path. They're leaving. They're going, listen, they've heard about the resurrection and they're walking away and some of you are there. And what's beautiful about this Jesus of grace and mercy? He's truthful, right? He says, oh, foolish ones, he speaks the truth. But he went and met them on the path. Some of you today, he's meeting you on the path. He's meeting you right now on the path. And you're fighting it. You're like, I'm not worthy of that. No way, no, no way. No way you let me come back. No, 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 no. No, not me. Not someone like me. He said, I've come to you on the path today. I've come to you on the path today. I know, you've been, I know you're walking a long way off. You're, you're heading another direction. I know you've given up hope today. You've, you've, just, you've, just, you've just thrown it in. I've, I'm coming to you on the path today. And what's beautiful, listen, what's beautiful about Luke 24, 52 and 53, it's the hopeless, those who had given up hope, that at the end are there worshiping Him in fullness of joy. So to the hopeless today, the resurrection calls you to return because your hopelessness has been met in Christ and there is now hope, forgiveness, and righteousness before the Father. To the deniers... Again, to you, you think you've done something you can't undo, you can't come back now. It's the deniers in this moment that hear those words, peace to you. It's the deniers who are experiencing peace and grace. Why? Because on the cross, he was denied. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you don't have to be forsaken. It's all because of him today. So when it comes to the final verse of the scriptures there in Luke's gospel, it's those who were once deniers but now forgiven who are in the temple worshiping God. So stop believing the lie that only perfect people get into heaven. No, it's only the forgiven. Those who will be there once who had given up hope, those who were once deniers, those who were once adulterers, those who were once murderers, those who were former atheists, those who were former drunks, those who used to be thieves, those who used to be greedy, but the blood of Christ has cleansed every stain. And they stand and are able to behold a holy God and not be ruined because on the cross He paid it in full and the resurrection declares, God says, I have received that payment and I am satisfied. Come to me through my Son. Today, to the hopeless, come home. To the deniers, come home. As our musicians make their way this morning, come today. The gospel calls you to come. The hope of Christ calls you to come this morning. It is urgent today. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till you get it right. None of these people were getting it right. It was when Christ met them in their unrightness that he made them right with God. Today, would you come? This is for you today. Not thinking about your neighbor at this moment, just you and the Lord, that you could be there in the presence of God for all eternity, worshiping Him because of the forgiveness that is offered to you in the name of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of God's grace. And you are loved. Today, leave knowing this. You are loved.
So much so that God's only son would die for you. Not, the Bible says, when you've cleaned up your life enough. Romans 5 and 8 says, God demonstrates his love for you in this. That while you and I were still what? Still sinners. Still sinners. Christ did what? He died for us. You can't clean up enough to come. You'll never be clean enough. But if you come now, repenting of that sin, acknowledging that didn't honor God, and God, would you forgive me? There is hope, beloved, that you today in this place could be forgiven. Come crying out the name of Jesus. Would you stand? Would you come? Fall on your face. Come, kneel. Brother Todd's here. I'm here. Others will be here. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you. This morning, would you come? Maybe you'd come and intercede on behalf of someone that's veered from the path, that's lost hope, that's denied the faith. Maybe you just, you just would come and pray for them this morning. Would you come? This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.